Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen. I don't know what you've been doing for the last hour. We've been talking about Jesus. We've been uh, celebrating the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been acknowledging that, yes, it's Valentine's Day. And um, God has uh, sent you the greatest gift of all, his son. And God approaches you today with open-heartedness and deep affection And he wants you to know that you are loved. God is love and God loves you. Now by, I'm going to say Monday, might be next Wednesday, but by Monday, the roses, well, they'll definitely be wilting. Some of them may already be like, you know, stone cold dead. Um, But the chocolates, you know, they're either going to be thoroughly picked over or gone. And the cards, yeah, probably in a drawer. Um, if not totally history, by uh, by a week from today. But you're still going to need to know that you're loved. The world is still going to need to know that love is real and that God is love. So um, I remember when Jim, my husband, sat down on uh, the steps and he held out a ring And it was this large, worn, engraved ring with a date on it, 1966. He keeps it in his desk drawer. He puts it on from time to time. His uncle Paul actually made it, and it belonged to his dad. And we talked. And and we just acknowledged, look, you know, I mean, this ring has been around past the lifetime of those who made it and wore it first. And Jim said, well, yeah, this ring's going to be around even when I'm not. And that's true. That's true. The person you love best in the world, the person who gave you a ring, the person whose ring you wear, the person to whom you presented a ring one day. Some of you know that right now because that person is no longer with you in this life and that grief is real and that, um, and that hole is big. Life is fleeting, but love endures. Today is a day when the world is open to conversations about love. Um, And life is fleeting, but love endures. And even when human relationships disappoint us and heartbreak comes, and it does, love endures. And even when the relationship um, ended up being not all that you had hoped it was at the beginning, or not all that you wanted, love endures. Look, we're not always patient and we're not always kind, but love endures. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 is our growing your faith verse of the day. And it reminds us that faith, hope, and love remain these three. And the greatest of these is love. And that 1 Corinthians 13 passage is a good one to read today, to be reminded of what love is really about. 
and what the love of God really looks like. The love um, that we need on Valentine's Day and every other day is the love of God. And so I'm, I'm holding out hope that um, you and I might be able to focus today less on the fleeting emotion of cards and candies and roses and hearts. But if you are going to focus on roses, then I want you to remember every time you see a rose today that up from the grave he arose. That's right. That's the rose thought for today. Every rose you see today, I want your brain to say, up from the grave he arose, so that every rose you see today will be a rose that reminds you of God's good gift of the love he sent in Jesus Christ. Could you do that? Every rose you see today, up from the grave he arose. And hearts, every heart you see today, I want you to be reminded of the heart of God for you, the heart of God and how it beats for you. All right. But, but the cards and the candies and the roses and the hearts that are related to Valentine's Day, I mean, literally by tomorrow, they're going to be stripped away because, you know, the world's going to move on to St. Patrick's decorations or something, some such nonsense, okay? I mean, not that St. Patrick, you know, please don't misunderstand what I just said. But you get my point. The commercialization part of Valentine's Day is going to be over tomorrow. But the love of God endures. First John Chapter four, good place to spend some time today. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son. That also sounds a lot like John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is really God's valentine to each of us today. God loves you. God is love and God loves you. That passage in 1 John goes on to say, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. People are actually going to see God today through those who are loved by God in Christ Jesus and animated by his love in a world that, yes, he loves. How's the world going to know today that God is love and that God loves them? They're going to know it by a demonstration of our love, the beloved. And you are the beloved in Christ Jesus, my friend. You are the beloved. God is the lover of your soul. And God is the one who gives you not only the command to love, but the gift of love that in your life he might produce the fruit of love. So the lover of your soul has sent you a valentine. His name is Jesus. And all he wants in return (laughs) is your heart. Valentine's Day is a good day to give your heart to God. You can trust him to hold it in love forever. Is um, Is there any science to love? That's a question that you might ask. Um, and then you're going to hear some people answer with, yeah, there's biology in that chemistry that you feel, you know, when you're, whoo, you get all hot and bothered and sweaty, that attraction or maybe that lust. <clears throat> but real love has much more than just chemistry and hormones. So what's at the intersection of science and the Christian faith? Well, we like to talk with Heather Zeiger um, about things like that. And so today... She's going to um she's going to read us in on something that is has happened at the intersection of science and ethics. Neuralink has um implanted its first chip into a human brain. Yeah, yeah. We're going to um we're going to talk about that. <laughs> 
up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, would you let somebody implant something into your brain? Now, if you need part of your brain stimulated in order, you know, to control your bladder impulses or something, that might be one kind of neural implant, but that's not what's going on here. Heather Zeiger has joined us. What is Neuralink and what have they implanted into someone's brain? Hi, Carmen. Yeah, Neuralink has been in the news um, because Elon Musk is one of these characters that um, gets the headlines. And his company is working with brain-computer interfaces. So they're not the only company that works with brain-computer interfaces, but they are the first one to use a wireless brain-computer interface. So what these are electrodes that are, uh, some companies put them on top of the brain, some implant into the brain. Neuralink implants, implants electrodes into the brain. And the idea is that you can control devices with your brain. So they have, they have done their first human experiment, uh, experimental trial, uh, someone, and the only way we know this is because Elon Musk, of course, tweeted about it. So we don't know this from them uploading anything to clinicaltrials.gov or any of those traditional ways, but that he said that the uh, first human received an implant from Neuralink and is recovering well, and this results show promising neuron spikes. So these electrodes are supposed to read individual neuron activity and the idea is then that that a patient who say is extremely paralyzed or unable to um, speak can use a, a wheelchair by controlling their mind, can use um, a device like a smartphone or an iPad or something and able to communicate. So the, uh, that's the idea. Now, of course, Elon Musk has been very forthright about how he thinks that eventually this can be a kind of neurological enhancement for human beings, for all people not just people who are paralyzed so that they can interact and communicate. From a Christian worldview, from a Christian perspective, I mean, you have probably heard some of the things that I've heard, like, you know, this is, this is one step in the direction of, uh, of, of allowing somebody outside of us to be, you know, controlling us as people. And, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be a way that, I don't know, the government or some group, you know, takes control of everybody. When you, when you think about, Christians and the use of technology, and particularly when it comes to the use of technology when we're talking about medical needs we have. So people have all kinds of things implanted into their bodies. Like I'm thinking about a pacemaker as just one uh, obvious example. Fillings in my teeth. Now, those aren't connected to anything, but right. I mean, when we talk about the things that we allow to be, I mean, uh, transplants of your part of your eye that makes you see better. Like there's just some things that I guess we have adapted to and we accept without a lot of conversation anymore. And so how do we make those judgments? Are we even stopping to say, is this just because it's available, is it, should I do it? Can you, what are the, what are the ethics conversations we should be having with ourselves? Yeah, so this gets into um, something that I, I had written my bioethics thesis about, and it's the difference between enhancement and therape therapeutic. So there's mm -hmm. things that are therapeutic, and there are things that are enhancement. And sometimes that line is a little fuzzy, okay, so that, that can be a little blurry. But we need to keep in mind 
when you're doing something that's therapeutic, you are correcting a wrong. You're bringing someone back to to a state of um, what they were before. Um, as Christians, sometimes I look at it as alleviating the effects of the fall. However, we always have to be careful about that because death was one of the effects of the fall. And um, we, with our own technology, really cannot overcome death, even if uh, you want to or think you can. And a lot of the Silicon Valley folks, including Musk, think they can. You know, we're not going to overcome the uh, the ultimate effects of the fall. Having said that, death and disease, um, you know, alleviating pain, alleviating um being trying to cure certain diseases, that isn't wrong. Where it goes too far is when we start thinking that we can completely undo the effects of sin in the fall. Um, so I think Neuralink, things like that, where you're trying to like fix the brain in the sense of like, can we be more like machines? Can we be more, more uh, work faster, do things better, be able to control the world better? Um, I think you need to look at that and ask what to what end? What is the point of this? And can you really do that? I, I actually personally don't don't think you uh, that um, Neuralink can really accomplish uh, being able to control your entire environment and stuff. I, I think there's a lot of techno op optimism that doesn't actually pan out. Um, the brain is far more complex than people uh, people like to think it is. It's not just a machine. You know, the mind and the brain. Are, are very complex, but um, I think as Christians, we need to be very discerning. We need to also listen to some of these Silicon Valley folks like Musk and some of these others, when they are talking about technology, listen for the religious-like language. Um, mm. There was an article in Vox, of all places, um, that talked about, look, when you, when you learn about, when you read about AI, understand that they are using religious language and that it is, a, it is spoken of as if it were religion. And when you read about enhancement, um, like neurological enhancement, look at what they're trying to enhance, what they're trying to do. And it's, it's like a, a technological, like a perverse technological sanctification kind of thing. So watch out for that. Um, nothing wrong, I think, with giving people with disability abilities, particularly communication. And these brain computer interfaces are one way to do that. And they, they do amazing things. But don't, don't sit here and think, I mean, I think as Christians, we shouldn't sit here and think, oh, well, maybe we can control the world or maybe we can do all of these things. It's like, oh, to what end? I want to talk with you next, Heather, about um, two un unravelings or, or unwrappings or unwindings. Um, one, uh, we're going to talk about unwinding um, DNA and, and, and the conversation about um, the genetic code and what's encoded and whether or not it's really a blueprint for life. But I want to, um, I want to start when we come back from a very brief break, I want to start with this um, unwrapping or unrolling of, of this ancient scroll that looks like a piece of wood. I mean, it looks like a log, but, um, but it's really a scroll, you know, all rolled up and how AI might help us unroll it and read it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. You are not alone. Do you believe me when I say that? You are not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you are not only alone, all alone, but to make you feel bad about it. That's loneliness. And it's a lie. Jesus tells us that the enemy tells us lies to rob us of our joy, kill our hope, and destroy our lives. 
And so if you're experiencing loneliness today, let me say this. You're not alone. The enemy is using the weapon of loneliness against a lot of people right now. But here's the good news. God is present. God is present right now, and he's closer to you than your very next breath. God loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You were created for relationship with him. And that sense of loneliness that you have right now, well, that's an indication that your heart knows it. Loneliness is the spiritual indicator that real love, real companionship, real relationship, real life are all possible. And guess what? Jesus literally came to make that connection with you. Do you want to know more? Text the word LONELY to 877-933-2484. And I'll drop in on you to remind you that God is present and you're not alone. Text LONELY, L-O-N-E-L-Y, to 877-933-2484. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. All right, what if you, um, you know, you found something, you know, in a closet, in a cave, it had been buried away, it had been rolled up for a really long time, and, and in that course of that time, you know, what once was pliable and uh, paper and you could have unrolled it, now it's been so tightly woven for so long, there's no, there's no opening it or unrolling it without totally destroying it. Aha! Unless, dun-dun-dun, enter AI. So, Heather, talk with us about, I mean, I just think it's so cool that we might be able to read something that's literally been rolled up since antiquity um, by using AI. Yeah, so this is really cool. It's cool because, like, Pompeii and Mount Vesuvius and all that stuff is is really neat. You know, Mount Vesuvius erupted in 79 AD. So we're going back to, like, the Roman Empire time. And they have these scrolls that are kind of preserved from the, in the sense of like the, the volcanic lava carbonized them. But yeah, how do you unroll that without it crumbling? And so, you know, they've used these techniques to virtually unwrap scrolls with these uh, like MRI and CT scans. So these are, these are scanning technologies that don't hurt the, the subject that you're scanning. You know, if you've ever had an MRI, you know, it doesn't necessarily do anything to your body, but it's, it's non-invasive. So they use scanning technology combined with machine learning, where you give the computer a bunch of data, you teach it how to look at all of these scans. So you do machine learning combined with the scanning technology. The scanning technology like virtually breaks these scrolls into sections and then putting it together, the computer is able to decipher what the scrolls say. One of the biggest, or at least the letters, the, the things that are on the scroll. The biggest problem with the scrolls dating back to this time period, so before the Middle Ages, is that they use a different kind of ink. That ink fades. It's hard to tell what it is saying. And so the machine learning technology is able to uh, decipher, okay, I'm looking at the chemical composition here. It looks like this. And so this is probably the letters that were on the scroll. So it's really neat. And, and that's the best that I can describe it without like getting into any, anything technical there about how it's like deciphering these things and how they're doing the machine learning. But it's really neat because it allows you to kind of virtually unwrap some of these scrolls. 
All right. So those of you who are students of uh, of of ancient um, Greek, um, they are these scrolls are written in um, in Greek, and yeah, they were they were destroyed um, in the same eruption that uh, destroyed the city of Pompeii. Uh, these were found miles away um, in an ancient town south of Pompeii that was also destroyed by the blast, and uh, they were found by a farm worker in the 18th century, which is also like kind of cool. Like you just think about it, it's been it's been several hundred years since these were discovered, um, and you know, and just now God's giving us the technology to to be able to read more of them. Um, and so anyway, it's just cool, and it's just cool that something has been preserved for such a long period of time and um, and is worth talking about. I think it gives us as Christians an opportunity to talk about the preservation of the scriptures um, and their veracity. And, you know, if we're going to believe that uh, what we read in, in these scrolls that are now being unrolled, why wouldn't we believe um, what has been preserved in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments painstakingly over, uh, over generations? All right, Heather, um, talk with us a little bit about this uh, conversation about genes being the blueprint for life. Um, you know, when we when we unrolled the scroll of the DNA and we took it apart and we examined all of it, what we didn't end up with a total blueprint for life. What I thought that's what science has promised us. Yeah. So back when the uh, Human Genome Project was going on, um, the idea was that we are going to look at every single we're going to look at the genes that make up a human being. And this is going to give us the blueprint of life. And you know what, Carmen? And I'm a chemist, so don't get me wrong. I love chemistry, but a lot of those assumptions are very reductionistic in the sense of like, we are our chemistry. If you just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller, as in more fundamental particles, you go to amino acids, go to your um, go to your nucleotides, you can go to the chemicals that make up those nucleotides. I mean, that somehow you're going to get to some fundamental truth. And that's reductionism. And kind of a lot of this traditional evolutionary theory and a lot of these views were that, you know, we're built up from chemicals on up. And anyway, there's a there's a whole group of people and I'm not and not necessarily creationists. These people are still a lot of them writing from a naturalistic point of view that are saying, you know what, this isn't really what we observe. It isn't just that this gene codes for this thing. In fact, sometimes there's parts of the genome that are interacting with each other, kind of, uh, you know, as as the kids would say, it's very meta, right? Like it's the this gene is turned on because this thing is happening in this part of the cell and these two things are near each other and interacting with each other. It's much more complex and holistic than that. And there's been all of these things like the the, uh, proteomics or the metabolome or the biome, you know, they, they have these ohms now that talk about like all of these other things in our body that are interacting with each other, providing information and um, interacting with our genome, but in much more complex ways than one gene, one letter gene or one, uh, one nucleotide codes for this thing. So, so this is a, this is a trend, not just among creationist groups necessarily, although you know, when you, if you believe that God designed the body and the cells and everything, then yeah, you would say, yeah, of course it's more complex. Yeah. It's not just, you know, built from the ground up. It is actually, there is a, a kind of a design. There's a purpose. There's a, there's a, a holistic view to the organism. Well, I mean, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of scientists who say, yeah, this is what we observe. 
Yeah. Um, once they get there to the answer, they're going to find out that God's behind all of it. And I know that's the Sunday school answer, but it's also the truth. So um, thank you for yeah. the journey yeah. that you um, that you take us along. Um, and thank you for all of the things that you study in depth. And, uh, and thank you for meeting us at the intersection of science and technology and the Christian faith um, and for uh, and for helping us think more deeply about things that we probably often don't think about. So, Heather, thank you so much. Sure, Carmen. It's fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, and happy Valentine's Day and blessed Ash Wednesday. You too. You too. Covering all the bases today. Covering all the bases. Um, all right, if you don't already have a Lenten reading plan, we'd love for you to read the Bible together with us during this Lent. You can just go to MyFaithRadio.com. Um, you can get the free study, instant access to the podcast, reading the Bible together, um, you know, as we intentionally turn with Jesus toward Jerusalem um, and prepare our hearts and minds for eventually the coming of, of, of Holy Week and the events of Good Friday and the cross. Speaking of, uh, speaking of the cross today, um, the conversation about Ash Wednesday and, uh, and, you know, the imposition of ashes on your forehead is going to lead people to say, what is that? Um, or why would you do that? And, and you could talk about the ashes for sure. And we did that a little bit earlier, but you should also be prepared to talk about, you know, why that's a shape of a cross. Like, what is that? Um, would you be prepared for that conversation? How is the love of God demonstrated on the cross? Why are ashes imposed in the sign of the cross? Ashes could be imposed, you know, in any kind of way uh, on your forehead. I mean, just, you know, one line, uh, vertical or horizontal, but they're not. It's the imposition of ashes in the sign of the cross. So what is the cross pointing to? Like, what is it a sign of? Um, Be prepared for that conversation today as well. In a world where there's a lot of symbolism today, I mean, the heart being the primary one, but because of the intersection of Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day, you know, in addition to the heart out there, there's going to be the cross. And what an opportunity for us to talk about how the love of God is expressed on the cross of Jesus Christ. Our friend Deborah Folletta is going to join us next. We're going to talk about being single on Valentine's Day because that is actually true for, yeah, Something like 50% of, uh, of us are single on Valentine's Day. And so what are some things and some encouragement for those who are single on a day when the whole country is awash in symbolism related to relational love? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so um, I'm thinking about uh, you today on this Valentine's Day, and I'm wondering, when you were little, did you do those? Did you do those Valentine's boxes at school? Like, did you get good Valentines? Did Did you ever like give a Valentine to somebody and not get one back? Do you even like remember that? Do you know how much that has changed <laughs> over the course of time? Um, because if you if you're not engaged in the lives of kids who actually go to school, which so many kids don't actually go to school anymore, which is a whole other conversation. Like they're miss they're 
they're not, uh, well, maybe they're not being indoctrinated into the whole Valentine's Day nonsense, but Valentine's Day does give us an opportunity to talk about love. And as people who know that God is love, it does give us an opportunity to talk about the love of God and that God loves people and to talk about how God loves people. So it's not all bad. <clears throat> um, but I do recall, um, particularly in fifth grade, and I don't know why this stands out in my mind so clearly. Maybe before that, like everybody was just required to give everybody else a Valentine. I don't know. That's probably true today. Um, but by fifth grade, you know, the selection process had begun. Mm-hmm. And um, you got Valentines from some people, but not from other people. And you gave Valentines to some people, but not to other people. And I just want you to think about that and how that felt at the time. Do you, do you even remember that? Do you have a recollection of that? I do. <clears throat> and fifth grade is, is my strong recollection related to this. I'm pretty sure that by sixth grade, we weren't doing, you know, like everybody in the class has a Valentine's, you know, box or envelope and everybody's, you know, putting them in it. I also know that over the course of time, um, Valentine's went from just being these like things that we made where we cut them out of construction paper and we made them ourselves to something that was mass produced and you had to go and you had to go buy them. And then the people who had store-bought Valentine's, you know, somehow that was better than homemade Valentine's, which, by the way, is totally not true way better to make your own valentine than to go buy one at the store um and then fast forward to today and valentines have like taken on a whole a a whole commercial component where it's not even just like a little piece of folded paper anymore like it's got it's got stuff going on um so matthew who i recognize is 18 and so you're going to say to yourself matthew shouldn't be taking valentines to school but Matthew is has some very special needs, and he's in a class with people who have some very special needs, and everyone is going to have Valentine's today. Like, that is going to be a thing. And um, some people are going to have a Valentine that's going to have a piece of candy, like, taped to it, or, um, or it's going to have, you know, some kind of, like, small gift related to it. Well, Matthew's Valentines are these cool, like, scratch-off things that look like a, um, a game console. Um, yeah. And so you can scratch a message, right? There's, there's a black screen, but under that is those, all those colors. And you use this little, you know, scratcher implement. Well, so that means that everybody has to have a little scratcher implement with their little, with their little Valentine. Anyway, it's quite a production. I'm just telling you, Valentine's Day has become quite a production. So if you want to text me what the production value is and, uh, at Valentine's in your, uh, in your life, that would be great. Um, all right. Uh, Stephen, uh, in, in Iowa says, Hey, I just went through a box that my mom had in the attic, 18 years of Valentine's that my mom had saved. Okay. Stephen, see, that would be quite a collection to, um, to present somewhere. I don't know where you could post that. Um, but yeah, I would say that taking a picture or doing a tour, maybe do a little video tour, um, of the Valentine's that you found, um, and that would be, uh, yeah, not just quite a hoot. That might be quite an exercise in uh, in learning about love and the way that it was expressed over the course of time. Are you single on this Valentine's Day? Um, I recognize that can be a particular challenge. I didn't get married until I was in my early 40s. And so, you know, I obviously spent a lot of Valentine's Days as a single adult. I will also say that because Valentine's Day is my sister's birthday, um, it wasn't as if I lacked a reason to celebrate. And so, 
you don't just have to celebrate romantic love on Valentine's Day. You could celebrate agape love, the love of God in Christ Jesus for you. That is worthy of celebration on Valentine's Day. God has sent you flowers. Just look around and every rose you see, I'm encouraging you to um, to think about the reality that up from the grave he arose. Yeah, I know it's a different kind of rose, but so what? Have a little fun with the words today. And I know that when you see all of those hearts um, out there, uh, you know, they're, may- they're maybe not meant uh, to be uh, celebrated as an expression of the love of God, but that doesn't mean you can't celebrate them that way. So how is it that God's heart goes out to you in Jesus? God has a heart of affection for you. He is the lover of your soul. You are literally in Christ, the bride. Like it- it's you are loved and you are lovely. And so um, even if you're alone today, And maybe if you're feeling lonely today, no flowers, no chocolates, no notes, Um, maybe nobody is going to, that you're going to see face to face is going to tell you that you are loved today. And so let me say it. Receive this. You are loved. God loves you with an everlasting love. God loves you fiercely and deeply and thoroughly. God loves you in the good times and the bad, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And God doesn't just love you till death. God loves you forever and ever. Um, and so if you're single on this, uh, on this particular Valentine's Day, um, what if you did just a little bit of like happy Valentine's to me? What if you just bought yourself flowers or chocolates or even a Valentine's card? Like you could actually go, maybe don't buy the Valentine's cards because frankly, they're way overpriced and... Yeah, and they're just, yeah, but you could go and you could read them all. Just enjoy that exercise. Like, go um, and read all the Valentine's cards today um, and have a good time doing it. And, um, and thank God for his love. God loves you. You are incredibly loved. It's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing for you to experience it. And I know that. I know that. I know that there's a difference there. I know that... Um, You may not be feeling loved or lovely today, but you are. And just because um, someone else right now in the world is not enjoying your company, God can't wait to hear the sound of your voice. He can't wait to express his love for you today, to hold you in his everlasting arms, to tend to your deepest needs. So um, I would also encourage you to reach out in love today because you are not the only person who is feeling lonely or alone or lacking in love on this Valentine's Day. And so I'm going to encourage you not to sulk, not to hide, but to actually take the initiative and lavish some love on someone today lavishly love someone today. Um, Maybe it is somebody who volunteers uh, at some organization or, uh, or that you see standing, you know, I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be, but there's somebody out there who, you know, needs a lavish expression of love today. And I just want you to lavish the love of God on them. Uh, And 
Um, you know, those little conversation hearts that we talked about in the last hour, they're just not that expensive. Buy some conversation hearts and, and on the outside of that little package, just, you know, just write, you are God's Valentine. God sends you this expression of his love today. God wants you to be his. Like the be mine Valentine is really a great one um, because that's what God says over each and every one of us. He says, be mine, be mine. It's one thing for God to say, you are mine. It's another thing for you and I to respond to the invitation that God extends. Be mine. Be mine is an invitation. So you could make a Valentine's Day uh, card today. You know, you could cut it in the shape of a heart and, um, and you could write on it a passage of scripture about the love of God for that person. Trust me when I tell you, there is somebody that you're going to encounter today who does not know that they are loved. They feel very unlovely. And you say, well, yeah, that's me. That's the way I feel. Well, then take the initiative because you actually know the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know that God is love. So what would it look like today to be the Valentine that God is seeking to send into the life of another person? You, as an ambassador of God's goodness and his grace, you filled with the love of God in Christ Jesus, you um, equipped and empowered and commanded to love, what would it look like for you to to be a genuine love expression in the world today? We often talk about um, going out and being shiny, like, right, bearing the light of God into the darkness of the world. Well, today, I want you to be the love of God expressed in a world that is in desperate need of knowing what real love looks like. You know real love. His name is Jesus. Could you go out there today and really love a person who really needs to be loved with the real love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? I know you can. I look forward to uh, hearing a report back tomorrow on how that went. So if you're single on Valentine's Day, um, I just want you to remember that you are loved And you are in Christ Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, an expression of God's love in the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. And we will be right back with with more on this Valentine's Day, as well as um, this this Lent, this first day of Lent, which is Ash Wednesday. Hey, um, I do have a Valentine's gift for you. We have two tickets to give away um, to see The Chosen in theaters. And so um, this would be, you know, for you and somebody that you might take with you, right? Because there's two tickets. So there you go. This is a way of reaching out and saying, hey, come with me to this thing and um, see what love looks like, really. So, uh, Paul, how are they doing it? I think they're going to MyFaithRadio.com. I'm going they there myself. That, I'm or they can do that. Or they can text the word CHOSEN to 877-933-2484 and we'll send them back the link for them to get registered for the drawing and today's the last day by the way all right today's the last day so jump on this text the word chosen to 877-933-2484 there's also a link at myfaithradio.com to win tickets to see the chosen so a couple of ways um, to go about doing that you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. 
All right. Hey, thank you for all of you um, taking the opportunity to enter to win our pair of tickets to see The Chosen in theaters. Chosen, C-H-O-S-E-N, Chosen. Not Chosen with two O's, um, not The Chosen, just Chosen, C-H-O-S-E-N. If that's too much and too complicated, just go to MyFaithRadio.com, scroll down, and you will see the place where you can enter to win uh, tickets to The Chosen. Yes, thank you for prayer concerns being lifted up today on the text line as well. Um, I see those. Um, and so even if I'm not responding in real time to everything that you're posting on the text line, I do see it and um, um, am lifting up those those concerns as well. So thank you. Um, thank you so much. All right. Uh, there are all kinds of things that you might do today to encourage um, spiritual conversations. And there's a, there's this thing called Would You Rather? And I don't know if you've ever played Would You Rather, but it's one of those things that teenagers definitely, uh, definitely like to do. They like to, uh, kids like to do it as well. And so if you've never um, engaged in a Would You Rather conversation, it's actually kind of a fun one to do on Valentine's Day. Um, and so, again, um, respectful conversation, obviously good um, discernment conversations as well. So, when you think about, you know, ways that Valentine's conversations might go, um, roses are red, violets are blue. Would you rather get roses or violets? And why? Um, what would be another one? Um, would you rather host a Valentine's Day party or be invited to attend one? And if so, by whom? Would you rather receive Valentine's in the e- in an email or handwritten valentines would you rather receive a store-bought valentine or a homemade valentine would you rather spend valentine's day with your family or with your friends um would you rather spend valentine's day um yeah let's see we've got all kinds of them here there's all kinds of ways you know a party or a worship service oh, that's a good one. Would you rather go to a Valentine's Day party or a Valentine's Day worship service? mm-hmm there you go um oh, gross, and then you know then there's always the gross ones, like right because you know we're gonna have these conversations with like middle schoolers from time to time. Would you rather eat a heart shaped dog treat or rose petals i'm I think I'm going with rose petals. I don't, yeah, definitely going with rose petals. Um, would you rather receive a mushy valentine or a funny valentine? And if you wrote a Valentine's Day poem, would you be willing to read it to the whole school? Or would you want someone else to read a valentine that you wrote for them in front of other people? Oh, yeah, that's no question. I would want to read it myself. Um, yeah, Um a hundred roses or a hundred pieces of chocolate? Would you rather receive or give an expression of love on Valentine's Day? Um, yeah, so you get the idea here, right? What would your sort of Christian version of would you rather Valentine's questions be? Would you rather, hmm, would you rather have been alive in the days of Jesus and had the opportunity to walk with him and talk with him? Or, um, be alive now in the days in which we live with an opportunity to proclaim the goodness of his grace, you know, with the people we know now. Because recognize that if you were alive in the days of Jesus, nobody that you know now would be there. And so all the people who you know and love in the world, 
would not be there in the days that you were there in the days of Jesus, right? So you're picking to be with Jesus, which I totally get, but you're also choosing against being with all the people who you've known and loved throughout the course of your life. I'm just saying, like, right? This is an interesting conversation starters. Um, prayer requests, yes. Thank you for those of you uh, sending your prayer requests um, in today. Lots of conversations here about what you're doing today as expressions of your love for others. Um, my way of loving others uh, in my family is I cook my garlic chicken soup and then I freeze it and give it to them when they get sick. And so my house is smelling amazing today because on this Valentine's Day, I'm making a big batch of garlic chicken soup. Well, Gail, we all want garlic chicken soup. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Um, yes, chocolate. Lots of comments about chocolate on the text line as well today. Um, if it sounds like uh, you and I are just talking with each other, we are because the person who was scheduled to be here with us is not. And so I don't know. Have you ever been stood up on Valentine's Day? I'm trying not to feel stood up on Valentine's Day. So I'm just counting on you, thanking thanking God that you are here with me right now. Um, Joan says, um, hey, I was just thinking about the question that you asked, would you rather be alive in the days of Jesus? I used to think I would really want to be alive in those days and walk with them and listen to them and touch them and have this, um, you know, this, um, let's see. Oh, and then... And then I have this honest, overwhelming fear that um, maybe I wouldn't have believed. And so then I'd rather be alive today because I do believe. Yeah, see, I get that, Joan. I get that. Who would we have been in the days of Jesus? The, uh, the, the seemingly, I mean, you know, few by comparison to the many who did believe in Jesus in the days in which he lived. But that was, gosh, relatively few Relatively few people believed in him. Most of the world did not believe in Jesus in the days in which he lived. And so, yeah, Joan, I think that's a sober um, acknowledgement. Um, I would only want to, I would only want to live in the days of Jesus if I knew him and had the opportunity to turn in faith and believe in him. The same is true today, right? I mean, we do live in the days of Jesus. Jesus is alive right now. Um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's available to us. He can be known. And you and I are in the world to make him known. So how are we going to reflect the love of God in Christ Jesus to the world today? I mean, that's ultimately not just the Valentine's Day question. That is the Ash Wednesday question. How are you and I, who know Jesus, how are we going to make him known today? I'm going to encourage you um, again. When you see a rose today, when you give a rose today, when you see other people giving roses today, I hope that one of the things that you will smile and say, at least to yourself, if not to everyone in earshot, up from the grave he arose. Up from the grave he arose. It gives us an opportunity to have a different kind of conversation um, on Valentine's Day than we otherwise ordinarily might have. Today is a really great day for you to tell people that you love them. It's a really great day to tell people that they are loved. Um, and so on this Valentine's Day, I'm praying with you and for you that the love of God would be expressed in and through us. Praying with Carrie in Ontario today that God would increase our ability to receive his love 
that we might feel our hearts swell with expressions of his love today, and that we would allow God to break down those walls that we have built up over time. Um, because God wants to not only love us, he wants to use us as expressions of his love to others. And so, my friend, um, on this day that, Luke, you're celebrating your mom's birthday, I'm celebrating my sister's uh, birthday as well, um, let us be expressions of God's love and let us celebrate rebirth. Let us be people who tell people why we would put ashes on our foreheads in the sign of a cross and what the cross is all about and how that is the ultimate expression of the love of God. Um, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's give him the glory today. Let's remember he's the lover of your soul. Jesus is the lover of your soul. So even though you, you know, might've been dumped on Valentine's Day, you were also picked up. Yeah, God's, God's out there trying to pick you up today. Happy, thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.